0: Good morning. How's everybody doing? I'm excited to be here. How are you guys doing with the time change? There's still some people walking in and be like, man, I'm early today. I'm 30 minutes early, right? But they're really 30 minutes late. Um, But hey, uh, I don't know about you. Some people may feel a little groggy today, but but now that I'm older, the time change doesn't really affect me that much because my kids get me up early anyways or you know, or my stomach starts to hurt in the morning or something from what I had for dinner. But but I remember when I was a kid, it was tough. All right. When the time change happened, it was rough. You know, you have to wake up at 6.30 to go to school and it's really 5.30 in the morning. Man, that, that's tough. I'd fall asleep at class. I remember one time when the time changed. Um, I showed up to school and when I got out of the car, I realized that I had two different types of shoes. All right. I used to wear Convert Decks. How many used to wear Convert Decks back in the day? All right. Well, I used to wear Converdex and I had a pair of blue Converdex and I had green and I had red. And that day I showed up to school with a pair of blue Converdex and a pair of red. All right. And all day the kids are like, Mark, why are you wearing two different kinds of shoes? And I'm like, I was tired. All right. I I couldn't get up in the morning and they're like, "Ah." And the whole day, people are like, look at Mark. He's wearing two different kinds of shoes. And then I had one teacher that was a big jerk. And he's like, hey, Mark, uh, why do you have two different kinds of shoes today? (laughs) Everybody, look at him. And I'm like, ah, school was hard. Another thing that was hard for me at school was PE. And I know for some of you, that's a big shocker to hear that. Right? Doris, that's not a joke. Stop mocking me. OK, uh, but but, uh, you know, as you can tell, I'm not the most athletic person. And so PE was tough, you know, and, and here's the thing. I didn't have problems at all at school outside of P.E. You know, I had a lot of friends and everybody wanted to hang out with me and they laughed at my jokes. And, and I felt like, you know, a cool kid. But as soon as I put on my P.E. uniform, it was like I was a repellent. All right. You know, especially if they were picking teams, if they were picking teams because we were going to do some type of sport at P.E., You know, nobody knew me. My bros, my buddies that would hang out with me. When it came time to pick up the the, the person to be on your team, it was like, you know, when we go to the mall and we see someone from high school or someone from elementary and we really don't want to talk to them, we're going... You know, you do that quick. I'm not the only one that does that, right? You know, or maybe you're like at Publix and you see like, you know, that, that neighbor you don't like and she's coming on the same aisle. You're like, eh, come on, kids, let's go. Yeah, but mom, you didn't get me my chocolate milk. Let's go, kids, we're done. You know, and you're walking. That's how it was with my friends when they were picking teams, my bros, my friends. Why aren't you picking me? Why are you ignoring me? This was like really traumatizing for me. You know, I hated pee. I I'd, I'd fake injuries, all right, if it was the day we're going to play like football or something like that, you know, I'd be like, hey, coach, you know, I got to, I got to sprained ankle. I can't go, you know, and then I would even forge letters that would say my son can't participate in PE. And let me tell you how I got this idea. This wasn't my great idea. I noticed, you know, that every month for about a week, there was this group of girls that wouldn't do PE. And so I said, hey, how do you guys get out of PE? Like, you know, every month. And they're like, oh, my mom writes a letter. And what does the letter say? This is like in middle school. And, and, and they're like, oh, my, my daughter can't participate in PE this week. And I'm like, that's it. They're like, yeah. I'm like, all right, well, next time you're going to turn in one of those letters, let me know. And I'll, I'll make, I'll forge one. I'll make one up. And so that time came and, uh, I went to my PE coach and I put my son can't participate in PE this week. And the girls handed in their letter and I handed in mine and the coach read it and said, okay. And, and the whole week, you know, I'm there with the girls hanging out and, and every day the girls, they had this inside joke and they say, Hey, Mark, uh, so you can't participate in PE this week either. And I'm like, no. And they're like, hey! and I'm thinking, Oh, they must think I'm cute or something. You know, that's why they're giggling so much. And this happened for a couple months. And then I caught on, you know, it was like every month for about a week around the same time. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. That is the inside joke. You know, and, and, and here's, I just, I hated being picked last. I hated feeling left out, and I would do whatever it took to not experience that feeling. You know, it was hard not fitting in. It was hard not being part of something, you know? Sometimes you want to be a part of the team, but you're told you're not good enough. You know, it killed me on the inside as a kid. And actually, as I was writing this message, I I started feeling the same way that I used to feel when I was that, that little fat kid, you know, going to PE that nobody wanted to play with. And, you know, we've all been there. We've all had moments in our life when we wanted to be a part of something so bad that we would do whatever it took to be accepted, to be part of it. Maybe for you, it was making the team. Or maybe for you it was joining a club or getting invited to a birthday party. Or maybe there's this group of people at your work that they hang out after work, but you don't. You just go home and you're by yourself and and you're like, man, I would do anything for them to just say, hey, you want to come with us today? Maybe you wanted a promotion real bad and someone else got it. Maybe you're here today and you're single and there's this girl that you really like and you've been laying down the mac. All right, that's what we used to call it. You know, you've been talking to the girl. You've been laying down a heavy Mac. And and you're like, man, this girl's mine. You know, and one day she calls you. And she's like, hey, I want to meet with you. Let's go to Starbucks. I really want to talk to you. It's really important. And you're like, yes, the day's finally come. She's going to surrender herself to me. She's going to tell me that she loves me. And then she starts off by saying, hey, I wanted to tell you first. Because you're like my best friend. I see you as a big brother. And you're like, oh, no. And you're like, I met the best guy ever. And you're like, oh, I'm so happy for you. But on the inside, you're like, what's his name? Show me a picture, I wanna kill him. You know, On the inside, you're just crying because it broke your heart. And we've all had moments like this and it hurts and it kills us. But here's the messed up part, as much as we dislike it, we do it all the time, especially when it comes to the Lord. You see, God has this amazing story for us, one in which we have a leading role. We have an extremely important part to play, but we choose not to pick him. You see, we're like that kid who's the captain of the team, and he's picking his team, and God is right there, and he's like, hey, pick me. If you pick me, you're going to win. If you pick me, there's no way that we can lose And you're like, hey, God, put your hand down. I want to see what my other options are. I want to see who's that kid behind you. I want to see who's the person next to you. See, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. As we continue through our series, through the book of Malachi. In this series that we've titled Covenant. Today we're going to be taking an in-depth look at Malachi chapter 3. Starting in verse 13. And let me tell you what's happening with the children of Israel right now. See, God has this incredible story that he wants them to be a part of. God wants to actually pour out his blessings upon the people. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we heard that God said, test me in this. And I will open the storehouse and you will be blessed. God is dying to bless his people. You know, he's promised the children of Israel that salvation was coming to the world through them. And yet, in their disobedience, they were getting further and further away from the Lord. And so that's where we find ourselves today. Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 13. If you open your Bibles with me. And let's begin to read. It says, your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said it is useless to serve God. What prophet... Is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the proud blessed for those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. Stop there and give me your attention. This is what they're saying. They're saying, hey, there's no reason to serve the Lord. There's no reason to obey the Lord. They're talking these things amongst themselves. And God is saying, this is, this is what you're doing. You're saying that there's no profit in it and that the people that don't serve me are the ones with the blessing. See, the Israelites are are looking around and they're seeing, hey, there's a bunch of people that don't love God. There's a bunch of people that don't serve the Lord. And yet they appear to have blessings. They appear to have things that we want. And God, I mean, this this is getting God real upset. Check out what he continues to say. Then those who feared the Lord in verse 16 spoke to one another. And the Lord listened and heard them. So the book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and those who meditated on his name. And he said, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. You stop, there, giving your attention. Wow. You know what we see here is that serving God is a big deal. We see in the last few verses that God is going to know who his real followers are in the last day by those who choose to serve him and those who choose not to serve him. You see, serving God is our opportunity to be a part of the Lord's team. Serving God is the first step that we need to take to become a part of the amazing life that God wants us to live. But if serving God is such a big deal, why is it so hard for us to do it? Why is it so hard for us to commit? You see, God has this amazing opportunity for you and for me that he wants to share it with us. One that is going to lead us to a life of significance. God has amazing plans for our lives. God has plans that you can't even imagine for you, that you can actually experience if you choose to pick him. When he's standing right there before you, if you choose to say, hey, God, you know what? I want you on my team. I actually want to be on your team, God. Check out what God's plans for us are. I love the way Jeremiah describes it. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Those are God's plans. God has amazing plans for you. But the problem is. That many times we choose to do whatever we want. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to pick the life that I want. I'm going to make the decisions that I want. I'm a grown-up. I'm an adult. I can do whatever it is that I want. You know, a few weeks ago, I went to Disney with my family for a couple days. And we had a blast. I actually have a picture of my kids there in front of the Disney thing. Yeah. Um, Joshua is just being a clown like he usually is. Stella is not happy because she's on that thing and no one's holding her or anything. And Caleb has no idea what's going on. He's always happy. He's always chill. He's always relaxed. Um, And it was actually Stella's first time, so it was like a big deal for us. Um, And so I I was trying to take a picture, but I pressed the wrong button because I was so excited. And there's like this tiny little video um, right here. So yeah, that's it. You know, (laughs) I just had the wrong option on my phone, but it it was a lot of fun. I mean, for me, it was one of the funnest times I've gone because now my kids are over 44 inches, which means the boys can ride on roller coasters. And so here's Caleb and Joshi on their first roller coaster by themselves. Boom. And I was freaking out, by the way. I was freaking out because I was behind them. And as this thing's moving, I'm moving around the thing. And I'm thinking, these boys are going to fly out of here. I'm like, guys, hold on. Your mom's going to kill me if anything happens to you. And and it was a lot of fun. And when they got out, they were super excited. They wanted to go now on Thunder Mountain. All right. And and then when we got to Thunder Mountain, Caleb, who's six, is like, there's no way I'm going to go on that thing. You know, and I'm like, come on, Caleb, let's go, let's go. And I'm trying to convince him. I'm like, I'll take you to the toy store after, and I'll buy you a little toy or something. No, Bobby, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. You know, and he had already ridden one, so I'm like, it's okay. And and so, you know, I felt a little bad, but I just me and Joshie went on the roller coaster. And this is a funny video that I have of the roller coaster ride. Can you play that real quick? We're going into a tunnel now so it's going to be dark. <laughs> now look at Joshua's face, all right? Uh, he was freaking out at that moment didn't know what to expect but uh but it was so much fun that when he got off he was like telling his brother how awesome it was and we were so excited and then we're walking around and I noticed that Caleb's like a little down and uh you know I kind of go down to where he's at at his level and I'm like hey buddy what's wrong you know he's like I'm sad I'm like why are you sad he goes because you left me and uh yeah yeah and, uh, and I'm like, oh buddy, but I really wanted you to ride. He's like, yeah, but I was scared. I'm like, well, what did you want me to do? He goes, I, well, I didn't want you guys to ride either. And I'm like, well, your brother wanted to go on the ride. I mean, so we went on the ride. I go, well, you know what? But next time you could go on the ride with me. You know, I wasn't going to strap him to my back and, and drag him on to the ride. You know, I wasn't going to make him go. And, and the reason why is because I've done that before and it's terrible The kid's freaking out. Everyone's looking at me like I'm a terrible dad. I was trying to get him on Peter Pan, and he's, like, freaking out when he was, like, two. And so I'm not going to do that again. And you know what? In the same way, God is standing here before us today. He said, hey, there's an awesome ride that I want you to go on with me. And it's going to be amazing. And, yeah, there's going to be times you're going to be freaking out like Joshy was. But you know what? You know, and put that picture of me and Joshy on the ride. (laughs) If you notice, as scared as he was, you see my hand. I'm holding him. As scary as life can be, as scary as that ride that maybe Jesus wants you to go on, and times can be, God, what's going to happen? You know what? God is going to be right there. Your father is going to be holding you in his arms, and it's going to be okay. But the problem is that God is saying, come on, let's get on the ride. And we don't get on the ride. The first feeling in your outline is this, that we are the obstacle that is keeping us from living the life that God has designed for us to live. It's our fault. Whenever we're not experiencing the abundance of the Christian life, it's because of us. It's because we are deciding to go against what God has called us to do. And this is what was happening with the children of Israel in this passage that we just read. And it's what's happening in many of our lives today. You see, the children of Israel are looking at the Persians who are ruling over them at the time. And they're saying, God, look at them. They're pagan. They're committing all kinds of sin and immorality. And yet they are blessed or they appear to be blessed. And we're not. And God is saying this. And he's saying it to you today. Get off your butt and stop looking around and comparing what others have and start to serve me. Stop thinking about yourselves. And right there is the key. The reason why we're not on that ride with the Lord, we're not living the life that God designed us to live, is because we are selfish. We're too busy thinking about ourselves and our things. The next villain in your outline is that our selfishness is robbing us from true happiness. People are so worried about their dreams. People are so worried about their own desires that they don't make time for God. You see, life is not about striving and getting, but about serving and giving. I'll repeat that. It's another feeling in your outline. Life is not about striving and getting, but about serving and giving. And Jesus was the perfect example of this. Mark 10, 45 says this. Jesus said, I did not come to the earth to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. The ultimate sacrifice He wasn't just giving of something that he had. He was giving everything. He was giving who he was. He was giving his life. See, life is not about striving and getting. Striving to get more and more and more. We kill ourselves to obtain it all. To obtain the accolades of this world. The recognition of this world. See, life is not about striving to get more. It's about serving and giving. Why? Because life is about learning how to love. And you know how you spell love? It's S-E-R-V-E and G-I-V-E. You cannot really love someone without serving them, without giving to them. When you love God, you give to God. You serve God. When you love other people, you serve them. You give to them. Love is service, and service is love, and giving is love. If you love your children, you serve them. You give to them. If you love your wife, you serve her. You give to her. If you love your husband, you serve him. And you give to him. You know, I I learned a a very important story. A very important lesson in my life about 12, 13 years ago. Um, I have three older sisters um, who are 10, 9, and 8 years older than me. And uh, the middle one of those three, her name is Lisa. She's actually here, I think. Um, she used to work for Marriott and it's awesome when you have a relative that works for Marriott. If you work for Marriott, please send me an email. She doesn't work for Marriott anymore, but here's the cool thing is that whenever I wanted to go to a home, we were newly married. And so every once in a while we could just get out of town or go stay somewhere or whatever. And so I would call her, Hey, Lisa, how are you? Can you write me one of those family discount things? And she would always go out of her way to give me one of those papers. And uh, so I would call her all the time and ask for this, um, and then one day I called her out of the blue, and it wasn't to get um, a discount thing. And, and I was just calling her, and we were talking about whatever, gossiping about the sisters and stuff like that and laughing. And, and, uh, and then uh, my, I hear my nephew saying, hey, who have you been talking for, to for so long? Who are you on the phone with? And she's like, oh, it's with Mark. And he's like, oh, what does he want, another Marriott paper? And I thought that's what I heard. And so I said, what did he say? And she's like, oh, he said that uh, you only call to get... She added that part because she's, she's gifted like that. He's like, you only call he, You only call me when you want one of those papers. And man, that burned me. I'm like, that's not true. And she didn't say anything. And then we hung up. And then after, man, it was just playing, you only call when you want something. You only call when you want something. And I made a decision that day. I'm not the best uncle in the world. I'm far from it. But that I was going to try to be a little more present in the life of my nephews and, and my nieces. and And that I was going to give... And that I was going to serve them and that I was going to call them from time and time again. And now I have a great relationship with them. You see, but even though I love them, they didn't think I did because I didn't serve them. I was never there. I never gave them anything. You see, life is not about striving and getting, but about serving and giving. The greatest test of your life is whether or not you will wake up one day and realize that life is not about you. Because until you understand that, you're just going to mess up your life. God didn't put you on earth to live a self, a selfish, self-centered little life where you just make money, retire, and die. You're probably thinking, Mark, but that's the American dream: work hard, retire, get your pension, and you know all this stuff, and then die. You know, and leave your kids some money. God didn't create you for that. How lame is that? Is that what you really think? To live life for you? No. This life is a test for eternity. This life is about us learning the lesson. Are we going to live a life that's serving, a life that's giving? Or are we going to learn the lessons of being gracious and and generous? See, if you're going to learn these lessons, you know how you do it. you got to start loving. Why? Because God is love. And God wants his kids to be like him. Everything that you have is a gift of God's generosity. You wouldn't be able to take your next breath right now if it was not for God's generosity. God says, I want my kids to be like me. I want my kids to be like their father, like father, like son, like father, like daughter. I want you to learn how to serve. I want you to learn how to give just as my son, Jesus, came to model that for you, who came to serve and to give. See, the only way to live the full life that God created you to live is by not focusing on yourself. The only way we can begin to live that life is to stop focusing on what my needs are. You see, the more we focus on ourselves, the more unhappy we're going to be. The more we focus on ourselves, the more unhappy our families are going to be and the people that are around us are going to be. You see, there are givers and there are takers in life, and the takers have no satisfaction. They have no meaning in their life, they have no significance because it's all about them. That is the god that they serve. And that's a pretty terrible God to live for. And you may be here after hearing all that, you say, you know what, Mark? I believe it. I believe that God has something better for me. And I also realize that I've been getting in the way of the Lord's plan for my life. How do I stop being so self-centered? How do I begin to live the life that God desires for me? And the first thing that you need to do is you need to give yourself completely to God. God. You need to give yourself completely to the Lord. Romans 6.13 says, give yourself completely to God, every part of you, because you want to be tools in the hand of God, to be used for his good purposes. Romans 6.13, guys, God wants to use you. God wants to do amazing things in and through your life. And what an honor to be said, to be tools in the hands of of God, that God actually wants to hold you in his hands. God wants to touch you. You know, I don't know how many of you have ever wanted to be close to someone famous or, or someone popular. I remember a couple years ago, there was a, a presidential rally and the president was there. And I got some VIP tickets and I was like that close to the president. And, uh, you know, there was like two or three people in front of me, some secret service. And as the president was leaving, all I wanted to do was just like... Touch him, you know, kind of like slap his arm or something, you know, and, and I thought it was going to be different. I thought it was going to be a little bzzz or something, you know, kind of like when the lady touched Jesus, the hem of his garment and, and it was nothing. You know, it was like, you know, and, and, uh, and I remember taking pictures and I'm like, you know, taking pictures of my phone and the president was right there like a goofball because I wanted everyone to see that I was close to him. Who cares about that? The fact that God wants to hold us in his hands and use us for his glory. What an honor. But we need to give ourselves completely to God. And here's the thing. You're like, you know what? I've given my life to Jesus. I come to church. I do my little thing, you know. But why isn't my life really the way that it should be? Why are things not really working out the way that they should be? Why don't I have that joy that people talk about? And could it be because there are still things in your life that you have not given to the Lord? Could it be that maybe you come to church, you accept the Christ, you're reading your Bible every once in a while and the cop turns his lights on behind you you're like, dear Lord, please help me, Lord, do a miracle. But outside of a crisis, outside of something big. You know, you leave church, and you go, and you sleep with your boyfriend, or you sleep with your girlfriend, or you cheat on someone, or you go, and you smoke out, or you go, and you get trashed, and, and, and you know, you have a dirty mouth, and your people know you for all the dirty jokes you tell at work, and, and, and the type of life that you live, and, and you really haven't given it all to the Lord, and then you wonder why those things are happening in your life. You wonder why you do not feel complete. It's because you haven't given yourself completely to the Lord. We're actually cheating on God when we do those things. It's that serious, cheating on the Lord. And some of you are thinking, "I never let no man cheat on me." I'd be like, like Beyonce, to the left, to the left, everything you own in a box, to the left. You know, there's no way I'll let a woman cheat on me. I kick her out of my house. I won't put up with that. There's a bunch of other fish in the sea. I'm not going to put up with it. I don't know how they put up with it. And yet that's what we do with Jesus. We're cheating on him. When we decide to do whatever we want. Whenever we want. The next thing that we need to do. To begin to live this amazing life. That God has for us. Is to make yourself available to the Lord. Make yourself available to the Lord. You know it doesn't matter how talented you are. How gifted you are. It doesn't matter. All the things that you can do. And how cool you are. If you're not available to be used by God. It is useless. And Jesus gives us the perfect example of this. In Matthew chapter 20 verse 29. It says. And Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho. And a a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by. They shouted. Lord son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. And the Lord, they said, Lord, we want our sight. And Jesus had compassion on them. Touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight and followed him. I want you to grab that pen that you got when you walked in today. And I want you to circle the word stopped. See, a lot of people today, they want to follow the steps of Jesus. But I think it's even more important to study the stops of Jesus. When did Jesus stop and help people? See, the thing about Jesus is that he didn't mind being stopped. He never saw a stop as an interruption, but he saw it as an opportunity to serve God. To serve the needs of other people. In fact, most of Jesus' miracles, most of Jesus' teachings happened because of interruptions. Did you know that? Think about this. All the people that he healed. The blind beggar, the lame man, the sick woman, the paralyzed man, the dead child. All of these, every single one of them was an interruption. That meant that he was available to minister to people. How many times in your week are they secret opportunities for you to minister to people, but you're just too busy? You're unwilling to stop. You're not willing to be interrupted. Your plans, your agenda is more important. The truth is that you're not being used by God because simply you're not available. Oh, I hear so many people, oh, but but God, I just want you to do your will my life. Lord, speak to me. Tell me what I need to do. How can I serve you? Mark, I want to know what the will of God is for my life. You know, I'll answer that real simply. Be available. Be available for the Lord to use you. See, right now, there's actually opportunities here at our church for you to begin to serve God. On the back of your connection card, there's this little box that says, begin serving at Calvary. If you're part of this church, if you come here week in and week out, if this is your first week, you know what? You have an opportunity to begin to serve God right now, right here. And there's a bunch of different things. Mark, I don't know what to do. Don't worry. We'll help you. Someone will help you along the way. You know, you could be part of our AV team, a usher, a greeter, part of the people that set all this stuff up, that press the buttons, that put videos on the screens, that take care of children. There are so many different opportunities for you to begin serving here. But here's the sad part is that I know that some of you will walk out of here today and not make that decision to join the team, to be a part of what the Lord is doing because you're not willing to stop. You know what? I'm willing to stop. I'll give you a second. Turn that card around and just check that box off and say, I want to start serving. Hey, you know, but I help out. You know, I just don't want to commit. You see, there's a problem. We need to commit. We need to say, God, you know what? I'm your hammer. I'm your drill. I'm whatever it is you need, God. I'm your megaphone. Use me for your glory, and God will begin to change your life. You know the first miracle that Jesus did where he turned water into wine? He was just chilling at a wedding. And they walked up to him and said, hey, Jesus, can you change this water into wine? He was interrupted. Because he allowed himself to be interrupted. The second miracle. He was interrupted on the way to Galilee. To heal an official son. Why didn't Jesus mind being interrupted? Because he knew that if he loved people. If he served people. He was serving the Lord. Jesus the Bible tells us that because of his availability. Went to the cross. Willing to make the ultimate sacrifice. For you and for me. And here's the point I want you to understand. If you're ever going to be used by God, if you're ever going to make a difference, if you're ever going to make a contribution with your life, you've got to be willing to be interrupted. You have to be available. Proverbs 3.28 says this, never tell your neighbors to wait until tomorrow if you can help them now. God wants to use you, but it's up to you. Don't miss the ride. Don't be a bystander. Become a part of what God is doing here at the church and in the world for his glory and for his honor. The third thing that we need to do is we need to be consumed by God. We need to be consumed by the Lord. And what does that mean? What does that mean to be consumed by God? I'll explain it to you this way. There are things in your life right now that are consuming you. A video game. The gym. Friends. Your TV, it's like, oh, but I got to watch Person of Interest. I got to watch Glee. I got to watch American Idol. Nobody better call me during American Idol. All right? And, And we don't let God consume us, but we let the things of this world consume us. You know what else can consume you? Your family. Your job. Your dreams. Your aspirations. Vanity. Sin. Can consume your life. And God is saying, hey, be consumed by me. And here's the amazing thing. You know what happens when you allow the things of the world to consume you? You will burn out. They take from you. You are the fuel that those things need to survive. And yet if you allow God to consume you, He is your fuel. He is your fire. He is the wood that's going to keep you going. He is the power that's going to keep you going. The Bible says this, that you will run and you won't grow tired. You're not going to fall down. You're not going to be able to give up because he's going to be right there with you. Just like I was holding on to Joshi, making sure that he wouldn't fly out of that roller coaster. Jesus is right there with you along the way. And you will be consumed by God. And the power and the glory of God will be upon you. And then you will begin to live that life that you could only find at the cross, that you could only find in Jesus Christ. Luke nine twenty three says this, and then he said to all of them, if anyone desires to come to me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. What does it mean to deny myself? There's this amazing story in Luke chapter 18 and it's this young guy In the Bible, they call him the rich young ruler. He bumps into Jesus and says, Jesus, what do I need to do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you know, the commandments and he starts naming the commandments. And he's like, yeah, I've been obeying those since I was a kid. And Jesus said, you still got one more thing to do. You got to get everything that you have, all those things that are consuming you. You need to sell it, give the money to the poor and come and follow me. What are those things in your life right now? And and I know you know what they are. They're popping in your head. Your wife knows what they are. And she's praying that you would acknowledge what those things are. Your husband is next to you. And he's praying that you would acknowledge what those things are. Your friends, the people that are around you, they know because we leak. Don't think that you got it all under control because you don't. You know what they are. God knows what they are. And he's saying, you know what? I'll take those things. How free you of that see there's some of you here today that you're like man i just feel tired i'm down it's gotta be the time change it's not the time change it's a giant backpack that you have on that weight that you have on your back and jesus said this come to me all who are tired all who are heavy laden if you're carrying a big bunch of problems on your back come to me and i will give you rest and when you walked in you guys got a match My son took my match after the first service, so I don't have my match. But you guys got a match when you walked in. And uh, maybe you could keep that in your Bible. You could put it somewhere where you'll remember. You're like, what am I going to do with this match? Let me tell you something. I just want you to remember that the only way that you're going to experience true happiness, the only way that you're going to experience the abundant life that the Bible talks about is that you allow yourself to be consumed by the Lord. If you make a decision today to say, hey, you know what? The things of this world... Have no power on me. Have no authority in my life. The only authority in my life is Jesus Christ. And it sounds radical and it is. To make changes in your life, you need to be radical. Think about some of the most successful people you know. Some of the most happiest people that you know. They made radical changes in your life. Think about some of the biggest disasters that you've ever thought about. Radicals made it happen. Think about the cross. A radical made that happen. Jesus went against the flow. He went against what was popular. And the son of God gave up his life a ransom for many because he decided to make a radical decision and allow men to hang him on a cross. Having all the power in the world to say there is no need for this. He did it. He was radical. You want to have a happy family? You want to be successful in this life? You need to make a radical decision today to say, you know what? I am going to burn for the Lord. I'm not going to allow the things of this world to consume me any longer, but I am going to be consumed by the power of the Holy Spirit forever. It's not a one-time decision. You came forward to pray, blah, blah, blah. You filled out a little card. Someone prayed for you. And that's it. No. It's to take up your cross daily. You want to follow me? Take up your cross daily. When you go to work, when the going gets tough, when the problems come, take up your cross. Let's not be like the children of Israel in the book of Malachi that say, hey, there's no profit in serving God. There's no profit in obeying the word of God. I am going to take up my cross daily because I know that even though the ride is scary and I'm freaking out the way Joshua was freaking out on Thunder Mountain, my father's by my side. My father is holding me. My father is taking care of me. My father loves me and he has my best interest in mind. I'm going to invite the band to come out. We're going to sing a song. It's called Your Love is Like a Fire. Those of you that know me know that I love worship and God speaks to me through worship. Some of the most intimate moments I've ever had with the Lord is, is through a song. And I want us to have an encounter with God today. As we sing this song, your love is like a fire that burns for all to see. My only desire. Think about that. Don't just sing a song to sing it, God. My only desire is to worship at your feet. So let this fire consume my life. Let your love draw me deeper. Draw me closer to where you are because all I want is more of you. What an amazing statement. What an amazing declaration. And it could be your declaration this morning. You know what? It's mine. I'm going to invite you. If you're here today and you are ready to begin to live that life that God created you to live. I want to invite you to come forward and just worship before your creator. And say, God, there's things in my life that I need you to burn up. As I begin to burn for you, Lord. As I become consumed by you, God, that these problems, that this pain, that this sickness, that these evil thoughts, this hurt that I have inside of me, the abuse I have when I was a child, the way people treated me, God, that it will be consumed by the power of Jesus Christ as I worship you, as I live for you. We all have things in our life that we need to surrender. We have areas of our life that we need to commit to the Lord. And so I'm going to be the first one to stand before God today and say, God, consume me, consume me. Take all that I am for your glory and for your honor and use me in an even greater way. You see, maybe God's using you in some capacity now and you can say, God, there is no limit to what you could do in my life. I believe that. And I stand here with my brothers and my sisters today and I ask you to use me. I put myself in your hands so that I can be your tool in this world, your instrument, So as the band sings, I'm coming up, I stand before the Lord, I stand at your level, and I invite you to join me as we burn for Jesus today.